get, you get, you Terminix tough. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. And this is how the Allens do it, with the help of their John Deere compact tractor. We grow tulips, peonies, and 7,000 dahlias. Over nine acres. They're a labor of love. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. How will you make the most of yours? Nothing runs like a deer. Run with us. Visit Homa Tractor today next to the tunnel. Set yourself up for success when planning your next event. Whether it be a festival, Mardi Gras rodeo, or outdoor music venue, Joe's Septic Contractors knows that it's important to cover your bases well before the days of your event. Joe's Septic Contractors can supply 1810 three and two stall restroom air conditioned trailers anytime, anywhere, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Planning an event? Visit Joe's Septic at bizcom.net with locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville, and Reserve. That man's got some stones. Believe me, he is no wood. His legend lives on. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. We've enjoyed the baseball season. Mike Silva, head coach of the Colonel Baseball Program. Coach, uh, you feeling better this week, sir? I am doing better. I appreciate that, man. Last week wasn't so fun. Yeah, no doubt, man. I hear you. And obviously, it had a stink for you, especially considering... Um, what was at stake in that series? And, you know, we talked to several coaches here in the conference last week. Man, you said it, though, at the beginning of the year. You thought this was a good conference, and you didn't know what you were going to get out of your baseball team. So let's just quickly kind of go back to the beginning of that series with SLU and just the fact that your team was in position to maybe even win the regular season conference um, championship. That, that's got to be quite of an accomplishment because you didn't know what kind of team you were going to have, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you just go back on the history that what we took over and, you know, there wasn't a lot of expectations in baseball. And, uh, you know, so hats off to our players and coaches for doing a great job. Just showing them to work every day and competing and uh, and getting better. And then, you know, down the stretch, look, we, we fought the flu the last two weeks and uh, you know, our guys played hard. I think we lost, I think, five one-run games and yeah. everybody's good. And so we just didn't, you know, we didn't we didn't get big hits and make big enough pitches when we needed to. And Everybody's good enough to beat each other and just didn't go our way. But, you know, I was still happy to see we finished off well on, on uh, Saturday and find a way to get a win. And then and obviously played yesterday. But yesterday was kind of just getting ready for, uh, sure. for the conference tournament starting tomorrow. It is crazy when you look at the final two conference series, Coach. 7-6, 5-4, 11-10 losses, 3-2, and 8-6 losses against Southeastern. I mean, it, like you're saying, I mean, it's literally – those those could be wins. I mean, it's right there. It's crazy. Yeah, hundred percent. And then you know, I think I think sometimes people lose perspective. You know, if you go look at the fifteen games before that, we won those games, and so it wasn't like we ever. We, the problem with our team, and and it's hats off to our kids because they've been competitive, but we don't have a way to really distance ourselves from the opponent. So good, bad, or indifferent, we don't strike a lot of people out. Uh, we don't have a ton of extra base hits, you know, and so. We have to really, it takes the whole army to do it, and uh, we have to do it in an unconventional way, and, you know, we put ourselves in those positions, but when you don't have guys that really can finish the game at a high level and get a bunch of punch-outs and stuff, there's a lot of things that have to go your way, and unfortunately, the last couple of weeks, they didn't, uh, but, you know, a new season starts tomorrow, and we're excited about being a part of it. It's the first time in all the players on our roster, no matter how long they've been at Nichols, they've ever played in a postseason game, so... Yeah, I would think, think it's a heck of an accomplishment for this group. Wow, that's incredible. When you look at what you just said, too, with all of the adversity that you guys kind of faced and just trying to figure out 
who you guys sort of were from the beginning of the season to now, and as you mentioned, just, you know, going through different things. Uh, what, what would you say you learned the most about your team in your first year here in Thibodeau? Um, I'd say, I, I don't know if I learned. Sure. Um, I would just say that it's like anything else. If you, if you believe in, in, in young men and, and you hold them accountable and you create an environment that they can succeed in that, you know, they're capable of accomplishing maybe more than what their ability says they should. And so, you know, I think we laid the foundation, um, which is really important and the expectation of kind of how we're going to go about our business and what's expected of you moving forward. And so every game we can continue to play in the postseason and get these guys more experience, mm-hmm. and then they learn to play under stress and under pressure. I think it'll help our young kids that are coming back, you know, be more prepared and more confident in these moments. Because it's like anything in life, until you can go through it, you really don't know what you're getting into, especially sure. from a player perspective. So when you look at this tournament, it's interesting how it's set up. You got the McNeese bracket and you have the Southeastern bracket. So you got four games over at SLU and four games over at McNeese and they wound up winning the regular season title. And we, um, spoke earlier in the week with, with Coach Hill. And, you know, again, it, it's interesting when you look at this conference, everyone's kind of gone through a little something and you kind of have some hardened teams, right? I mean, they didn't get into their locker room until January, still recovering from storm damage and things of that nature. A lot of different teams in the conference kind of went the same way as well. SLU, we're talking to Coach Riser. He lost his entire essential starting pitching staff through the season. That, that's a, that's a very odd and unique thing that when you look at the Southland and come tournament time, you're going to have some guys in that, in some teams that are just, they, they got a lot to kind of play for and that are hardened and battle tested, huh? Yeah, for sure. It's a tough league. These are tough kids, tough league. I think that's been the reputation of this league for years and years that, you know, you better show up ready to go. A bunch of dirt bags are going to be really competitive and get <laughs> after each other. And look, the conference season has been a lot of fun. It's how competitive it is. And we could go, we could go, you know, 0-2 and, and be going home in a couple of days, or we could we could win this thing. I really feel mm-hmm. like it's wide open, and and uh, we got to play well. I think that's the thing that, you know, in this league, this league does it. kind of prepares you for everything, every style of baseball, every moment, all the adversity. And, you know, but it's been fun competing, that's for sure. Week in and week out to show up and know you got to compete. There's nobody there's nobody playing in the tournament that I don't feel like could win it. Mm-hmm. When you take a look at earlier this season, April 14th, 15th, and 16th, you took the series against Northwestern State on your home field, uh, two games to one. Can you learn anything from that? Do you take anything from it? They're good. I mean, you know, I think I think that series probably goes the other way if we're playing in Natchitoches. You know, it was, it was that competitive. And wow. The scores of the first couple of games probably don't dictate how close they really were. And, you know, a couple of things went against them, and they hit some balls hard right at people. And, you know, maybe didn't get a call or two. And so we're going to come out and play. I think we're really evenly matched, and they're really well coached. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I have a lot of respect for their coaching staff and the way their kids play the game. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. What do you think is going to be key when it, when it comes to that game tomorrow? Like, do you, how, how is your style of coaching? Do you, do you have to win that at all costs? Do you start thinking of moving forward? Or, or, I mean, I guess what's your mindset in a tournament style? One pitch in one inning at a time. <laughs> I think they just survive in advance. Okay. You know, we have to get really good starting pitching or we don't have a chance. DeSandro, uh, Devin DeSandro is going to start for us. He's got to be really good tomorrow. I mean, that's the thing. You don't want to put pressure on players, but I also think that if you're not honest with them, uh, I think that's patronizing to them. Mm-hmm. The thing is be honest with them. He's got to get us deep into the game and give us a chance. Then offensively, we have to be better. You know, we've been really poor offensively the last month of the season. Uh, we've got to be better. We're giving away too many at bats, and you know it's easy to say, "Oh, they're tired." Of winning. Look, they're eighteen to twenty-three year olds. I mean, if they're too tired playing baseball and going to college, then the rest of life I think is going to give them struggles. So 
I had that conversation with our guys yesterday that, look, this is a fun time of year to go and play. And if you're not, if you're not willing to be excited to come out and play postseason baseball, then it's probably time to go home. So I'm really interested to see how our kids respond. They've responded all year. Um, but that's kind of the biggest question mark for me. Can they handle these moments and the excitement of postseason baseball? Final thing for your coach, and as always, appreciate the time, especially since you got a game tomorrow here and you're traveling, doing all those different things. You got a message or something for Colonel fans that are listening about your season? Yeah, thank you. I mean, thank you. I couldn't express the amount of gratitude, uh, the amount of pride that I feel being the head coach at Nickel State University. I think from our administration, our athletic director, Jonathan Terrell, and and the rest of the athletic administration, our people do so much. They wear a million different hats. They show up early. They leave late. Um, our fans, our coaches committee, our president is David Miller, and I would say the vice president's Ray Flades. And these guys just, they show up. They show up all the time. They support us on good days. They support us on bad days. They have a tremendous amount of pride. I just want them to know if they're listening. Thank you, number one. And, uh, Hopefully we're starting to put a product on the field that you guys are proud of because we're really proud to represent that university. I think one of the things when we look back and, and wanted to try to get time with these coaches, uh, including yourself, coaches, is that I guess to me it's enjoyable to sort of see the season, right, and kind of hear all, all the ups and downs. I mean, that, that, that's every season no matter what league and what sport you look at. And I think the storylines come from that. That's why I asked you earlier, like, what stood out to you? What did you learn from that? And when you take a look at your first season here in, in, in this team – you know, uh, you mentioned things like dirt bags and just things of that nature, how, how tough this conference has sort of been. It's been it's been kind of fun to get from your perspective from the inside of what the season sort of been like. It, it, there's a reason I think you see all these teams separated by a game or two at the end of the regular season standings. Is my point. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, look at Southeastern. We sweep them to open the season up. They go through the ups and downs and the roller coaster early on, and then they come back and win two out of three at our place. Really good game. It's a rivalry game with a lot at stake. Unfortunately, it didn't go our way. But mm-hmm. after it was over, I said hats off to them. I shook their coach's hand and and wished them the best of luck and told them that they earned it. And so there's a there is a there's a there's a I don't want to say a dislike for each other. Sure. It, it's really a respect for each other and an appreciation for it. And and I think that's what makes you know rivalries good and traditions good. And this conference has a lot of both. So I'm excited for the postseason. It's gonna be really fun. Teams are gonna be getting after each other, but usually there's a ton of respect. Uh, between the teams, and it's a lot of fun to be a part of. So I'm looking forward to the future. 1 p.m., Nichols, Northwestern State, tomorrow in the McNeese bracket. McNeese and UIW will follow at 6 p.m. over in the southeastern bracket. It's UNO and HBU at 1, SLU and Texas A&M, Corpus Christi at 6. Coach, as always, I really do appreciate the time, and we'll be talking soon. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for having us on every week. Thanks a lot. Absolutely, for sure. GoColonels.com is the way to go check them out over there. Nichols BSB over on Twitter. Um, LSU winning 19-7 yesterday over Northwestern State, the Colonels opponent. Again, as you mentioned, that not everybody had a midweek game. Those are either made up and things of that nature. And you kind of saw um, by the scores that, look, you're, you're looking forward to conference play for McNeese. They, they had to go from Baton Rouge and, you know, again, um, get over to McNeese so they can play a tournament game tomorrow. Uh, in that game, though, for the Tigers, uh, Braden Jobert and Hayden Travinsky combining for three homers and seven RBIs in that win, 19-7. They called it after seven innings. And for LSU, it's simple. Listening to Matt yesterday opening up the show, and even on Monday he mentioned it, you, 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 two or three, 
If he can get two or three from Vandy for sure, you're probably hosting. Game one is tomorrow at Vandy, 7 o'clock if you want to watch it on ESPN2. And I bring that up because, again, right now, D1 Baseball Regional Projections, and this came out the 11th. So this was before this weekend's, you know, sweep at the hands of Ole Miss. And it had LSU hosting a regional. This weekend's performance probably took that away per Matt, and now you kind of have to do some work probably here, as you mentioned, and then in the tournament to kind of get your way into that. So a massive series for LSU to end the regular season to see if they can somehow get back into maybe hosting a regional. And as Matt said, I think he put it very clear, uh, clearly, but the NCAA, obviously, they, they won 11,000. Right? I mean, 10, 11,000, that, that's always good. More money for them. That's what they want. They would like that. Um, and as Matt says, you gotta give them a reason. So, gotta win some games and then they can give, they can say the reason and, and put in a program from that stature. Ralph Marbar will join us next. We'll ask him his thoughts on whether or not I'm crazy or not. As I think the Saints are an NFC contending team. Despite Roy, Miami Dolphins super fan who thinks they're a four-win team, and Vegas who thinks they're a seven-and-a-half-win team, and despite everybody, that's fine. That's fine. I'll just ask him if he thinks I'm crazy. It's the Sports Hangover in your home for Pelicans basketball, ESPN New Orleans. Anything goes girl. Girl. She's a hardcore candy store. Give me some more, girl. Girl. She'll make you drink a Delivery trucks rush all over town and sometimes cause king-size accidents. The King Firm has trial attorneys experienced at handling crashes involving delivery trucks. They can help fight for your medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering. Get the royal treatment you deserve when you ring the King. If you've been injured in a delivery truck accident, ring the King at 909-KING. Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good. Really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it out. So cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless. Now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan with 5 gigabytes of hotspot and nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. A month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. Friends, we all reach tipping points in life. The weight of a low-paying job, unpaid bills, a new family. You can't keep going. That's where my computer career can help. In just months, not years, they can help you start a new life as an IT pro, even without prior experience. Impossible. You learn online from home. And my computer career offers lifetime career services to help you find jobs with companies begging for IT pros. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Think you're dealing with drug poisoning, chemical poisoning, food poisoning? Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Thursdays from 12 to 3, it's the sports hangover with the crew of Katie's. This week, we are at Katie's in Mid-City, 3701 Iberville. Come get the swamp fries, crawfish beignets, or even try the barge. It's the sports hangover. Thursday at Katie's, 12 to 3 on ESPN New Orleans. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark. 
and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Now back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. At Saints Forecast is the way to follow Mr. Ralph Marlboro over on Twitter. At Saints Forecast on Twitter and, of course, the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Ralph, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, Gus, but I have to make a confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm addicted to trolling Laker fans, and it's been zero days <laughs> since I was clean and sober doing it. Uh, I can't help myself. Nice. Uh, I, I apologize. Oh, it's become a pastime for me nearly as well. Uh, throughout the most of the second half of the NBA season, anytime they would lose, much less to the Pelicans, it was always fun to go check out the meltdown. And how much fun that was. I said it earlier today to um, Ali Cosell and Scott Prather. How nice was it watching the lottery last night and not, you know, praying that you would pick high enough to find a player that either will turn the tide or help keep Zion happy. Or It was literally just, oh, great. Okay, at eight. Let's see who they can get to sort of help this team. It's nice. It was nice yesterday. Yeah, it was. You had like the 99.999% chance that like Memphis could still get picked, right? So, so, so you had to be like, as long as they get to eight, you're, you're good, right? So as soon as, as soon as like eight came up and you're like, you know, it's going to be the Pelicans are going to get the pick at eight, or maybe we're going to get something really special. Mm-hmm. And then they got eight, you're like, okay, cool. You know, the Pelicans, the Pelicans are in a really good spot, man. They, 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 they going to have a great, uh, a great off season. And the thing is, and you know this, the Pelicans, the thing for them to build a sustained fan base is they got everybody excited. It was a great playoff run. It was a great second half run with CJ McCollum. But you got to build on it. The, the, the thing, you know, in 2000, before, 2000, before Katrina, they didn't sell out the dome all the time. In the 90s and 80s, it was like, oh, is it going to be a blackout this week? Or is mm-hmm. some company going to buy the tickets up? The thing that happened with the Saints is, yeah, we bought all the season tickets because we were scared they were going to leave after Katrina. But the thing that has kept the Dome sold out all these years is that they win consistently. So if the Pelicans can just stack a couple of playoff seasons back-to-back, the arena will be filled. I really believe that. So that's the key for the Pelicans. And it's not about winning a championship this year. Just go and win 45, 50 games. It'd be fun and give people a reason to go to the arena every night and don't the season one and twelve. Yeah, that would be nice uh, for sure. Now you're talking about hope and faith and things of that nature, and I think hope and faith is one of the things that has also fueled Saints fans for quite some time. And then Sean Payton and Drew Brees came along, and they gave them reasons for that hope and faith. And I kind of feel I'm at a crossroads here, Ralph, where I am absolutely not the you know black and gold glasses or die hard guy i'm not i mean last year i thought they were a seven eight win team i thought they had a lot of question marks and doubts i'm looking at paper this year though and i find that i'm on the other side of things where i'm wondering how vegas has them at seven and a half how nick wright has him second in the division how you know all of these different people feel they got worse in the offseason i i i don't see that but maybe i'm crazy so i'm asking am i crazy i think they're an nfc contending team oh, I, I, not just division no i i think they can contend in NFC. first of all i want to get bang on the saints a little they could have got that jarvis landry done last friday before i came on your show we could have had a we could have had a great fun friday but we'll do it now but here's the thing with the saints and the, all these moves and this is this is the exercise that i used to do back when i was in college and i was bored and 
we didn't have the internet and I was bored in class. I didn't want to pay attention to class. I would always like, for the same season, I would write down how many questions do I have about the team. And if I have more than five, if I have more than three, it's a problem. But this year, like, what are your, your question is, how are they going to be a quarterback, right? Because you don't know about Jameis. That's a fair question. Left tackle, how's it going to be? And then all the other questions, Gus, are health-related. You know, it's like, well, can they stay healthy? Well, I don't know. Taysom Hill, he'll be fine at tight end if he's healthy. Now, can he last more than a month? I don't know. But that's a, to, to, to try to figure out health, that's not really a, a question. They don't have any holes in this roster. And the thing is, the NFC is so bad and fragile. And the NFC South particularly, just the Saints to me, right. the, moves that they've, the moves that they've done, I don't know that they have raised up their ceiling. Because that's hard to project, project when you have such quarterback uncertainty with Jameis. But the moves they have made, I feel like they have scored the floor. And I'll be done if they fall below seven, eight wins. Like, a lot would have right. to go wrong. And just take an example of receiver, right? you got Michael Thomas, Olave, Jarvis Landry, Callaway, Deontay Hardy, and that's your group. So, okay, okay, Michael Thomas, he has trouble. He's not the guy that he was before. He has rehab issues. Maybe he only plays six, eight games, and he's not that good anymore. You know what? You got a lobby. You got Landry. You got Callaway. You got Deontay. Like, for a receiver to be bad, like, a lot has to go wrong, right? Because right. now, now they're loaded. And that's the thing that I really like about it. And listen, the NFC, I know people say the Saints aren't a serious contender, but Gus, I really believe that there is a scenario where it just falls. The Saints get breaks with health and different things, mm-hmm. and a couple major things go wrong for NFC teams. And I truly believe we could look up, and you're talking to me on a Wednesday in December, and we're like, man, if the Saints get to 12 and 5, they can be the two seed, they can be the one seed. Like, this is incredible because look at it. Tom Brady. He's not going to play forever, and I truly believe that he's going to be a guy. He's going to be like Favre. He's going to play one year too long. We just don't know when that year <laughs> right. he's going to fall apart is going to be. Might be this year. Right. Might be 2045. I don't know, but I truly believe Tom Brady is one of those dudes. He's going to play one year too long. So if something goes wrong with Brady, then Tampa becomes mediocre in a hurry. And I believe that Dallas, I believe Mike McCarthy, he is not equipped to deal with the circus pandemonium of the Sean Payton rumors. Every loss. And I believe, this, <laughs> and I believe, Sean, I believe the Sean Payton rumors are going to sink Dallas this season and they're going to win seven to nine games. Like, I just believe they are, they're not – Mike McCarthy is not equipped to handle the bleep storm that is about to descend on the Dallas Cowboys weekly. So I believe they're – and then you look around the rest of the NFC. Okay, Green Bay. Green Bay, I don't think any team does in the modern – history of the NFL since I don't think any team has won 13 games or more four right. years in a row. So just odds of Green Bay regressing are strong, right? Not to mention they lost Deontay, Devontae Adams. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that team yeah. lost that player and they still got him like, you know, as a favorite. I'm like, I get they're still good and I understand Rodgers and all that. I, 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 that's, that's a huge question mark, right? Mm-hmm. It so. is a huge question mark. And just, just the odds say that they're going to regress because turning out 13 win seasons is freaking hard in the NFL. I mean, 
Green Bay, if they just had, like, they could have Aaron Rodgers be healthy all year. What happens if they have 65 or 70% of the bad luck that the 2021 Saints had? I guarantee you they'll regress. They might not regress out of the playoffs because the NFC North is pretty bad, but they may regress from 13 wins to 9 and 8. 10 and 7, and they're the fourth seed in the NFC. You know, so I just think you look at the NFC, and it's, it's, there is a path to being very competitive that, that the national media just doesn't see. And except for a couple people, I just don't get it. I, and the thing with the Saints is, Jarvis, like, he, gosh, they got him for $6 million, just really $3 million. He's probably going to make around five because if he's, mm-hmm. if, if Basically, if he's Emmanuel Sanders in 2020, he's going to make about $2.5 million in incentive. But to get him at such a great price, their offense, the best thing about all their moves that I really like is they have made it to where Jameis, Will, Jameis Winston has no excuse. Like, this is it for him. If he doesn't succeed this year, he's relegated to being a journeyman quarterback. And the, mm-hmm. the thing that I, I think is unfortunate for Jameis is – it doesn't even matter if he's injured, right? Because if he's injured, the Saints will be like, dude, you're injured two years in a row. We can't count on you anymore. we got to go in a different direction. So this is like, James, this really is like the last call for Jameis. He's got to make it work with the Saints if he wants to have be somebody's franchise quarterback for the long term. And it's sort of unfair for him because injuries happen and you can't predict it. But this is it for him. Like he, it, it's got to, it's got to happen this year. If it, if it doesn't happen this year, he's always going to be like the backup quarterback or the bridge quarterback for some team looking for the next best thing. I think the other thing too to, that that stands out. I, I want to ask you this because I, I kind of feel like well, again another maybe question mark that some people may have is that that second backup running back role and all this other stuff. And I'm like, if that's where we are, if that's where we're concerned, right. and I, no, look, and I get it that there's fear that. Kamara could miss games. So I can understand where that's from, right? If he misses six games, four games, that's substantial too. I, I get all of that, why that there is. Um, are we done with Mark Ingram? Cause I kind of feel like no one talks about like, can he not yeah. step in for a game or two or, or do we really, yeah. you know what I'm, I'm a little lost on that. Like, listen, the, the, the buzz on Twitter is Daryl Williams. He's a, he's a Kansas City, but he's a former LSU player. The same did the LSU triple play in the other <laughs> right. It would be amazing. Like, it's the amazing Elmo fire emoji all, all, all the way. But here's the thing with the Saints, I think, at running back is there's no, there's no pressing need for it. I think the Saints can go into training camp, and you can say, listen, we can see how Ingram looks, right? And you can see how Abram Smith looks, right? the Baylor running back who was rated as like a fourth or fifth round pick that they got as a UDFA. You can see how it looks. And if it's bad and you're like, we need a running back, you can always teams cut running backs all the time because they'll be like, hey, we had this running back like, you know, like the Saints with Latavius Murray. Oh, we have this running back that we think is better than him. We can cut him and make and save cap space. We could trade for a running back. Same thing. So I think they can wait until August, and it could. I could see a situation, Gus, where we're like second week of camp, and the Saints are like, "Oh, by the way, we signed Daryl Wood. Mm-hmm. He's still out there." And like that tells you, "Oh, Mark Ingram, he has, he hasn't been practicing because the knee is balky." Oh, the Saints are moving on. Oh, they don't like Smith. You know, so I just think running back is one of those things the Saints can fix that come August. Like to me, that is 
way, way down the list of concerns that I have for the thing. Yeah, I kind of feel that way. Let's see what takes place. Obviously, when um, the season starts, in the meantime, look, I, I won't be I, looking forward to OTAs and all of that. And at the end of the day, can you just get healthy and ready by the time training camp and these preseason games get going? Let's just let's just see. I just I I don't think that they're not going to be a good team. That said, as Jordan went through the ESPN power rankings, they got a, they got the Saints at twenty, um, the Bucks at three. And a bunch of teams, including the Niners, in front of them at 19. Most of the teams in front of the Saints are on the schedule, though, Ralph. So that that is concerning that you are going to be playing teams that, at least by their power rankings, are, are in front of you. So I'll say this. They get to the postseason. They win a division. They absolutely would have earned it. And if that's the case, they can win the NFC. Because if they can win enough games, to your point, Ralph, that where they're the second, the one, or they're the division winners, then they're absolutely an NFC contending team because it is a tough schedule because you are playing a lot oh. of teams that have won games. Oh, the, the NFC is you get in the playoffs. Look at San Francisco. They were a dropped interception away from having Jimmy Garoppolo and his busted up shoulder in the Super Bowl. You get to the playoffs in, in the NFC, it's a free fall. And I want to make this point that my, my co-host Andrew Duke made many times. He's like, you know, the Saints have had such rotten luck in the playoffs under Sean Payton, right? Minnesota Miracle, the no-call, Jared Cook fumbling, all of it. It was all just like um, horrible, heartbreaking disaster, right? He says, isn't it about time that the Saints go 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven and they're kind of a hot mess and we're like, oh, that's cute that they made the playoffs, but they're not going anyway. Mm-hmm. And then we wake up three weeks later and it's tie game in the NFC Championship and we're begging Jameis Winston just like Jameis this is one more good drive. And this <laughs> hodgepodge of a mess of a football team is going to go to the Super Bowl. I can't believe it. Like, yeah. And that's the thing in the NFC. Like, just get me in there. Because I, because I believe you can make a case for, for seven, eight, nine teams in the NFC. If it falls right, it can go your way. When the, when the AFC, it's like if you are – for instance, Miami, they've done a, ton, a bunch of nice stuff in the offseason. They ain't making the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, it's loaded in the AFC. But teams like the Saints, yeah. Philadelphia, yeah. even Arizona, I don't like Kingsbury. I don't like I don't like their, their setup enough. But, like, you get them in the playoffs and Kyler Murray gets hot all of a sudden. you got DeAndre Hopkins. He's rested because he had the 16th suspension, so he's healthy. Like, there's a case for a ton of teams in, in the NFC. So I get why the Saints are like, we ain't rebuilding. We ain't yeah. rebuilding. We are going for this. Like, the <laughs> NFC is right there, and it's too it's too tempting. And, I'm, and honestly, Gus, it's malpractice. If you are in the NFC and you're a mediocre team or above and you're not trying to win in 2022, to me it's malpractice for your fans. Because the NFC, it's not always going to be this quarterback desert that it is now. So when it when you gotta go for it when it's safe. Yeah, gotta take advantage of it for sure. At Saints Forecast, away to fellow Ralph over on Twitter, WWLTV.com has his own web page there, the Saints Happy Hour podcast and Saints Happy Hour page as well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time. All right, talk to you next week. Yep, talk to you next week. Quick break, we come back, a little soccer news as uh we'll talk to Coach G. He was supposed to join us at twelve forty five, he's got some school stuff, so we'll talk to him here. A big decision made for the ladies. We'll get to that next on ESP in New Orleans. I'm
Spring is finally here. At Greg LeBlanc Toyota in Homa, we're ready. With truckloads of fresh inventory arriving daily. Plus fantastic deals like the all-new redesigned 2022 Toyota Tundra. Or the fuel-efficient class-leading MPG with Camry and Corolla. Greg LeBlanc Toyota is also giving you top dollar for your trade. Go ahead and shop the inventory online now at GregLeBlancToyota.com. These outstanding deals won't last long. Nope. Greg's got the deals. Shop South Hollywood Road. Homa. RTC, Etel, and Vision have always led the way in communications. A network built for every possibility. Internet, TV, voice, and security. And now, we're moving faster than ever before, propelling us forward into the future. That's what we call revolution. And the revolution is closer than you think. RTC, Etel, and Vision are now Rev. New name, same company. Learn more at letsrev.com. Always on the run and short on cash? With a state bank and trust company debit card, you can pay for goods and services without the need for cash in your pockets or the hassle of writing checks. Available on all consumer and commercial checking account holders. Call or stop by any state bank and trust location for all the details. State bank and trust company, Cajun Banking, served just the way you like it. Member FDIC. Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. The man that likes to talk. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN 1003.com. Hi, welcome back to the Sports Hangover, Coach G. Always a pleasure to speak. A little soccer at Pat G. Conterry. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I think one of the things that I... I think we should probably start as the, obviously it's a landmark decision made by yeah. U.S. Soccer, the Federation deciding, uh, Coach G to equal everything, equal pay, equal rights, equal everything. The men and women's team will be compensated the same, World Cup, mm-hmm. practices, the works. How big a decision is that you think and do you think is the right one? It's so, it's so early to say, but on, on paper and reality, it looks good. Um, let's see what it is in five to ten years. And I know this contract will last, I think, until 2028. So we have six years kind of, kind of figure this stuff out, but one kind of stat kind of blew my mind when it comes to the unequal pay. So obviously going to the World Cup is a huge deal, and the ultimate goal is to be the world champion. So the men's, um, bonus, Money bonus just to get to the uh, quarterfinals is $9 million. The women's bonus to win, and actually when they won the World Cup, was only $4 million. So right there, if I was a woman, I would be extremely irritated and, and, and pissed off. And so stuff like that, it needs to be equalized. The women on paper, they have the more trophies, they have the more victories, but men, and especially here in America, they just, they pull us fans to watch their sport and watch their game. Um, historically, men and women, when it comes to the same sport, there is going to be a 
different kind of feel, different flow, different everything to it. Uh, we see it across the board um, with with basketball. Um, you could even say football when you we used to have the, um, the the women playing football and the, the tackling. It was just a different kind of game. So for for the women in soccer, I can only say for soccer, this is a huge, huge win because. Women in this sport are, I would say, better than the men when it comes to the trophies, the wins, uh, the prestige of the actual sport. The men just get the more of the pull, more of the advertisement, more of the sponsorship. But this will really kind of just level all the playing fields. And like you said, when it comes to some of the accommodations, uh, the broadcasting, the sponsorship, all that stuff now is going to be equal. So um, the biggest thing also for women is what field they actually play on. Um, for a while, they were playing on both grass and astroturf. And if you played any sport, especially soccer, you want to play on natural grass. Um, the health quality is going to be that much better because of those black little rubber bull, um, pellets that's on those astroturf fields. Studies have shown that more and more that young people um, play in it for longer in their career, and the more they breathe those little uh, those pellets in, um, it actually causes cancer. And there's a lot of health problems when it comes to skin and skin irritation when it comes to those those uh, rubber pellets. So for natural, grass is the way to go. So women have fought for a long time to just play only on the grass pitches. They finally received that. So I'm liking everything that this contract has um, said, especially when it comes to the NWSL. Um, the United States Soccer Federation is not going to now pay the women to play locally. Now, this might hurt the local game because, as we see right now, a lot of the great um, women's soccer players are going over to Europe, just like the men. So, like we've talked about for almost a year now, it's good and bad that our local grown um, products are going to Europe. We want them to go over there to, to get better, but then we don't really have them here. Um, so, it's kind of a, a kind of a coin flip when it comes to if the NF or the NWSL, uh, when it comes to their league and if they can pay their players. Now, I can see that league kind of folding in the next couple of years because it does take a lot to run a huge league. And without the um, the funding of the National uh, Soccer Federation, I really don't see that league um, kind of um, staying around for a while. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going on for the next couple of years when it comes to this, but we'll see. But right now, it looks good. All right. Uh, so, again, a big decision and kind of you did a great job of breaking it down for all the, the reasons that it is, not just other than the, the pay. It's a lot of other things. Obviously, pay is a big thing. No Here's doubt. It. Look, look, and I understand the whole – Hey, they don't bring in enough money or the, the, the same amount of viewership. Mm-hmm. You know, I get all of that. At the end of the day, though, they're, they're the ones that are actually winning. And mm-hmm. B, they're the ones in that sport on that side of things that have been the dominant one. So, you know, I mean, I get it. I don't know if the other countries are going to sort of follow that suit and route, but yeah, um, we'll see what happens, that's, right? That's it. That's going to be a huge thing right now because we're the only country right now in the entire world that to do this. So we're the first country to do it. So we'll see if other countries will kind of follow along. Um, but that kind of brings me to my next point is other teams throughout, I'm sorry, other clubs or other countries throughout the, um, the, the whole world, they don't really have a strong female um, program. So places like, like Italy, England, France, they can have a system where there's going to be equal pay, maybe even Germany. Outside of there, it's going to be very, very, 
very lopsided where equal pay would not kind of justify that in other countries. Um, but for the, I would say the top five, yes, they can do that. So it would be interesting, like I said, um, moving forward, how much money will be pumped into this other league now since we are the first one to kind of equalize the pay. And I don't know if you saw this or not, Gus, but maybe little uh, Lionel Messi, um, Argentina, might yes. be coming to Inter uh, Miami. So we talk about money and kind of growing the sport here. This might actually help out the local men's um, national team, uh, say, in 15, 20 years, by just having Messi coming over here after his PSG uh, contract is out. So um, there are talks that David Beckham is going to give him, I think, 35% of the club team to sign the contract to play here in America. So we'll see. That's going to be huge for uh, MLS. That's going to be huge for our national league, um, our team here. So we'll, we'll see. But that's going to be uh, the next big rumor right now is Messi coming to America. That's what I was going to wrap up with here, Coach G. How big is that? And I get it. At certain points of the career, I saw on social media, it's the retirement party, whatever. And I saw somebody say, I can't wait to get my New York tickets and increase them by 300%. Bottom line is this. You want to see one of the greatest to have ever played. And I I do think it can can help, right? And, And look, I understand MLS isn't where you want the Premier League and all that is, but... There's only one way to get better, and that is to attract the best players, even if it's towards mm-hmm. the end of their career, and give it the attention that it needs for it to maybe grow into a top league. Yeah, and we've seen this with Wayne Rooney and, and even David Beckham. We see this kind of uh, David uh, Stephen Gerrard when it comes to later in their careers. You know, they still got it, but maybe not at the level of the EPL or even you know League One or La Liga and throughout Europe. So they come over here because they still can produce. They still love the sport. Um, with Messi, however, you know, yes, Messi is one of the best in the world. He's going to bring so much money and so much revenue to MLS and even Miami and even for David Beckham. Um, but the biggest thing is this. What is he going to do after he leaves? Is this just a financial thing for him because he's gaining a good chunk of a, of a uh, club team? So is, this, is he coming here just for the money for himself? But then again, that, that's fine with me, but the effects of that is going to be more positive than negative. So I'm all for it. We're going to see it. We're always going to see this in the future of famous soccer players coming from Europe over here to America to make that extra money. But also, end of the day, it slowly is building up um, the MLS to become a competitor in the, in the world uh, market. So uh, it's a slow process, but it's always a good thing to get big names, especially Messi and get Ronaldo over here. Ooh, the things will look good for MLS. I was going to ask you that to close up. <laughs> Chances of Ronaldo <laughs> over here. Bottom line is this. If I could watch him play, like I guess it would be Houston would be one of the closest mm-hmm. ones. Atlanta. I, I've gone to a game when we evacuated for the hurricane, mm-hmm. you know, last hurricane season. I got a chance to go see the Atlanta <laughs> soccer team. I mean, it, it's 60,000. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And, and the biggest it was thing an is, incredible but- moment. I mean, it really was. And I absolutely would go see Messi play. And like you just said, you you can fly to Atlanta, you can fly, shoot, L.A., New York, wherever. The biggest thing is we don't need to have passports. So this right here will bring soccer to another level because we don't have to go the extra miles, spend extra money, just go over to Europe or, or wherever. We can spend a couple hundred dollars or even drive five hours to go to Houston to watch Messi. So right there, you you are going to expand the, the, the fan base even locally here in America because we can travel and watch these, these, these superstars we've been watching for the last 15, 20 years. Now, if Ronaldo comes over here, and again, with soccer, you never know what's going to happen. He's on the end of his contract. He's not happy in Man U right no, now. So, I did not go uh, well. I mean, 
<laughs> that, that experiment did not go well. So right. if, can he can he come over? Of course he can come over. So just imagine all the possibilities, but you never know when the when the transfer window opens here shortly in the summertime, who's going to be moving where and whatnot. But just think, Messi here in America for at least one year, that would be big. I'd go definitely say he didn't come with me. Pat G. Conterry, Coach yes, G, is the way to follow. Uh, as always, man, appreciate the time. We'll talk again next Wednesday. Yes, sir. Have a great week, man. Sounds good. Hour two is in the books. Hour three next on ESPN New Orleans.